0: Well, hello and welcome to the Informed Traveller Podcast, a travel podcast where our goal is to help you become a more informed traveler. And I'm your host, Randy Sharman. Cinco de Mayo is coming up this week, so our good friend, travel writer and blogger Paula Worthington will join us in about 10 minutes or so to chat about some of the myths around Cinco de Mayo and how it's celebrated and the place where it began. Plus, we'll head to St. Lucia, one of my favorite islands in the Caribbean, and learn about their new blog, St. Lucia Inspires, and their weekly 7 Minutes in St. Lucia series. But to begin our podcast, we're going to chat with travel writer Sue Slatt about her views of COVID series. It's on her website, TravelTalesOfLife.com, and it's a pretty cool idea. She's invited writers, photographers, and others from around the world to share their stories about how they're experiencing the COVID pandemic. And Sue is here now to tell us more about it. Hi, Sue.
1: Hi, Randy. Good to be with uh, you again.
0: Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, You have an interesting series, uh, a view of COVID-19 series uh, on your website, TravelTalesOfLife.com. Tell me how how the idea came about.
1: Well, probably like most people, as this has been playing out, um, about five weeks ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and thought about a friend who's in Chile. And I wondered, she's a full-time traveler, she's there with her family, and I thought to myself, I wonder, I wonder what they're doing. And I thought, in the morning, I'll reach out to her, not only to see how they were, but perhaps she'd like to share with our audience how things, what the view of COVID-19 looked like in Chile. And it just grew from there. I began to think about other people I knew, or readers who had commented on our blog all over the world, and I wondered what... What was happening for them? Because we certainly couldn't travel to know. But what did it look like outside their window?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's an interesting way of exploring the the world, really, because it's an insight into not only about what's going on with the COVID uh, situation, but just uh, that area in general, right?
1: It is. It's, I felt really privileged as as the contributions have come in and to really feel like you're walking in someone's shoes and experiencing their life, it really is a fascinating way to travel, even at, a, at any time, but especially during a time of a pandemic.
0: And we should say, too, that anyone can contribute. It's not necessarily if you're a travel writer or a blogger or a photographer or anything like that. Uh, if you have a story to tell, you can contribute.
1: Absolutely. In each of our posts, we try to make it very clear that anyone is welcome to to contribute. And definitely, you do not need to consider yourself a writer. You can be anonymous. Just use a, a ghost name or a your first name. You don't need to give any identifying information.
0: Well, it's like asking a, a parent who their favorite child is. <laughs> but do you have some, some favorites that kind of stand out?
1: I do. Um, probably the one, and it will come as no surprise. Uh, it is someone who did not, who wanted to remain anonymous uh, from Brooklyn, New York. And she spoke, she lives in an apartment building, and her contribution made me feel and other readers feel as though they were riding in the elevator of her apartment building. She described it in such uh, an emotional way that of holding her breath while she was so glad she only lived on the fourth floor that under her mask um, she felt she didn't need to inhale completely. Uh, but with that, she also spoke of the new soundtrack of the city, of in Brooklyn hearing the birds chirp, and that was something she had never been able to hear, that there's this great silence. Um Now that the sirens are starting to fade, and that she had even heard a woodpecker which she had never seen before in and growing up in in new york so uh it really even as I speak about it, it really um touches touches me that she was so willing to to mm-hmm. share that so we've had um you know we've had so many good ones I also uh, I travel on sort of the other side. I had a travel and lifestyle magazine editor um, email me with uh, his contribution from Jakarta, Indonesia. And uh, there it was very much so a professional writer, but again, very much an emotional piece of how he felt the government uh, was a, had a very disappointing response, how the president admitted to withholding information to prevent panic. Uh, And so, and the concern he had going forward for the 10 million people who live in Jakarta, because there are four doctors for every 10,000 in that city versus Italy that has 10 times that ratio Mm -hmm. of physicians. And uh, upcoming, we're talking to nomads around the world, people who don't have a home, who travel, whether it's they're on a sailboat or an RV. Where do you go when you're told to stay home, but you don't have a home? To
0: wow, to? that should be very interesting. Because where do you go when, like, yeah, when everything's closed they're, they're down, great. right? Everything you took for granted is no longer there.
1: That is right. So when campsites close, when ports close, when no one wants you, what do you do? So uh, we'd certainly encourage you, to, you know, your listeners to come and read, which I think may be the most fascinating uh, post yet, is not something those of us who have four safe walls to, you know, our little in our little world, mm-hmm. if you don't have that. What, what do you do and what are your options?
0: Well, I'm looking forward to that. You can find the Views of COVID-19 series. It's a weekly series on uh, Sue's website, Sue and Dave, your husband, Dave. Uh, Traveltalesoflife.com. It's a fascinating, and they're all short little reads, right? It's not a lot of time-consuming uh, effort there. So uh, appreciate your time, Sue, and thank you.
1: Always a pleasure, Randy. Do take care. Good.
0: Well, Cinco de Mayo is coming up this week, which is more of a celebration outside of Mexico than it is within Mexico. And there's a few misconceptions surrounding Cinco de Mayo and how it's celebrated. So to help us sort it out, we've invited our good friend, travel writer and blogger, Paula Worthington, to join us to chat about Cinco de Mayo. Hi, Paula. Hi, Randy. I should be saying happy Cinco de Mayo Day. Let's talk about uh, some of the myths about uh, Cinco de Mayo. I think a lot of people think they know what Cinco de Mayo is about. But um, reality is they probably don't, right?
2: That's right. And and this year, it'll look a little bit different for a lot of people this year. But, um, you know, people often celebrate Mexico with Cinco de Mayo, which is correct. Mm-hmm. However, they think it's Mexico's Independence Day, which is not correct. That is on September 16th. So Cinco de Mayo refers to the Battle of Puebla, which was fought in 1862, and it was a, uh, a victory over the French uh, during that particular battle. And that's what the celebration is. And I think a lot of people um, maybe don't know that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that you mention uh, Mexican Independence Day, because I happen to be in Mexico. I was in Manzanillo. Uh, during the celebrations of Mexican Independence Day. And it is quite a celebration, uh, as any uh, uh, holiday like that would be. But uh, I recall, that's why it sticks in my head, that Cinco de Mayo is not part of uh, Mexican Independence Day. And it's interesting, too, like this city of Puebla is not far from uh, Mexico City, is it?
2: No, um, I think it's about two hours you know, each way on, on a highway to go uh, to, between Mexico City and Puebla. So it would actually make a really great cultural and culinary trip. You know, a lot of people often think of Mexico for its beaches, which is the Pacific coast or on the Caribbean side, and, and they're incredible. And, and I know you and I have talked about some of those places I've visited, but, um, you know, there's an amazing historical and cultural aspect into, into kind of the central areas as well. And, you know, it's quite, um, The elevation is incredible, too. Like, I think Puebla is about 7,200 feet um, above. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't get that crazy. You know, if you don't love really hot, hot weather, um, you know, it would probably be a great place to visit where you get really nice weather but you're not necessarily getting that that same heat that you might experience on the coast.
0: Mm -hmm. Now getting back to just to the Cinco de Mayo celebrations how did it become such a uh, popular celebration in North America uh, like United States and Canada? It's not even a holiday in uh, in Mexico and they don't really celebrate it there at all.
2: That's right yeah there's you know there's some parades and and festivities in and around Puebla in the city and in the accompanying state, because that's where the battle um, happened. But, you know, within the rest of the country, it's not even a holiday. So I'm sure um, I'm sure Mexico is a little bit scratching their heads a little bit at why, you know, the American (laughs) Canada why we've (laughs) run away with it. Um, And I don't know how that started. I know I know there were some celebrations that started in communities, um, particularly in the U.S., that have, you know, a strong um, Mexican American community, so it may have kind of um, moved into those areas, and then and then it, you know, as a lot of traditions do, it probably just sort of picked up steam, and ne- next thing you know, uh, we we all have a really great excuse to um, make our favorite mezcal or tequila drink and make enchiladas or tacos and um, put on some great music, and and uh, you know, at this this point, I think a lot of people will be. Uh, looking forward to um, having some fun and, and uh, turning their kitchen into a, a little bit of a, a Mexican kitchen party. And um, you know and, and I really encourage people to use this as a way to you know research and learn a little bit about some of the lesser-known kind of cultural or culinary traditions of Mexico because they're known for some really incredible food and Puebla itself is known for an amazing, um, restaurant
0: scenes and really uh, being able to capture a lot of those traditional dishes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you mention, uh, you know, uh, food and beverage. Uh, Cinco de Mayo is the biggest day for margarita sales <laughs> in the U.S. So, um, And that's even different, too, right? Like the margarita you get in the United States are here. Uh, the traditional one in Mexico is different, isn't it?
2: It is. Um, You know, we're often equate with those kind of slushy, you know, very sweet, sugary margaritas that are a bit more of an American or Canadian twist on it. Um, On my last trip when I was visiting um, the Southern Baja, I was actually enjoying mezcalitas, which are made with mezcal instead of tequila. And, you know, they're very simple. There's a little bit of simple syrup, um, mezcal, which has that really delicious smoky taste to it. Um, some fresh lime juice and some ice, and a salt rim around uh, around the glass. And you know, there's different recipes and different takes on them, but um, you can really explore, you know, the world of tequila, the world of mezcal. It's almost like different types of wine and you know, different regions or how they produce and and manufacture the the product and how what they do with the agave that goes into it. All of that kind of plays a role in in the final. Taste of it all, so you start to see um, some really interesting blends and combinations. I know in um, in Todos Santos and in Sayulita, when I visited there, I've been able to try a hibiscus uh, margarita, which is fantastic, and they use pressed hibiscus flowers, which which we know uh, are all over Mexico, and
0: mm-hmm. and
2: combine that into kind of this almost like a uh, almost like a cranberry type of red color and flavor to it so you get to learn and discover uh, how much they really depend on and use a lot of local ingredients there and of course um, a lot of the, the food and drink in Mexico just stems back hundreds and hundreds of years so uh, great to you know try things out whether it's making tortillas or discovering a, a mole recipe or you know or even if you've just never made guacamole and you want to give it a try um, you know that that Cinco de Mayo day might be
0: a fun way to do it. Yeah. Well, speaking of mole, it's the official dish of Cinco de Mayo. This is what I learned in my research about Cinco de Mayo and, and Puebla. It's So you are being very authentic if you're uh, having some mole with your, with your Mexican dish.
2: Yeah. And there's a lot of different recipes. Some people, you know, they add... Um, rich cocoa and it has a chocolatey feel others are more spicy i i think there's recipes where there's brown sugar and raisins even in it and and they put it on all kinds of things on on roasted chicken or on rice and on enchiladas of course we see it there but um, yeah, it's a really versatile sauce that uh, that you see on all kinds of
0: and And obviously, if you're going to have a big Cinco de Mayo party, you can uh, get your big screen TV <laughs> up there as well, uh, because there's all kinds of virtual tours that just about every destination has out there right now, including Puebla, right?
2: Yeah, and you know, a lot of us are, are resorting to armchair travel right now, and we're dreaming of the places we've been to that we love so much. And and where we want to explore next, and I think that um, you know taking this time to think about great destinations, you know from my reading, uh, Puebla has definitely uh, gotten on the list of a place I would love to venture to and um, under you know un- uncover a little bit more of that history and culture and get to see a, a bit of a different side of Mexico. Um, and so yeah, I think with Cinco de Mayo, you know you can um, you can get those recipes going and. You know, whether you're going back to your pictures of Mexico and reminiscing of of vacations there or researching new destinations. But, of course, on the web, you know, there's tons of, um, whether it's YouTube videos about destinations or visiting the various tourism regions, visiting their social media pages. There's tons of inspiration out there Mm -hmm. on your next trip.
0: Get your Mexican music going, uh, the videos going, your recipes going, your blender going. And uh, have a good time on Cinco de Mayo, right? Exactly. (laughs) Thanks for your input, Paula. It's always a pleasure. Paula Worthington, uh, travel writer. Her website, wanderswild.com. Happy Cinco de Mayo.
2: Happy Cinco de Mayo. Take care.
0: Well, it's interesting to see how creative destinations are becoming to help keep them top of mind, so to speak, to potential travelers once all the travel bans are lifted. And one such place that's come up with a few unique ideas is St. Lucia. It's one of my favorite islands in the Caribbean. And here to tell us more about their new blog, St. Lucia Inspires, and their weekly 7 Minutes in St. Lucia series is Jorraine Georges. She's the public relations manager for the St. Lucia Tourism Authority. Their website is stlucia.org. Hi, Jeraine. Hello. And we should say you're joining us from sunny St. Lucia, where it's almost always sunny there, right? That is correct. (laughs) Well, before we uh, get into your uh, St. Lucia Inspire series and your seven minutes in St. Lucia, uh, just uh, give us a brief outline of how the uh, COVID uh, pandemic is is affecting St. Lucia and how you're handling it.
3: Well, St. response has been very good so far. We've had just a handful of cases, um, under 20 in total, and um, the response has been good so far. So some of the efforts um, for the response included a national telethon that raised close to $3 million EC million to assist um, in purchasing the protective, personal protective equipment for frontline workers as well as supporting the national feeding program. So these are just some of the efforts that are ongoing um, in terms of the COVID-19 response. Mm-hmm. We've had a partial opening so far, and um, we're looking to, you know, continue to open in phases while we continue to manage what is happening on the ground with the anticipation to open up internationally.
0: Mm-hmm. Like many of us are, waiting for that uh, date that we can all travel again, right? absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, some of the marketing efforts you're doing uh, now to inspire people to come to St. Lucia. One of them is the uh, St. Lucia Inspire Series. Tell me a little bit about that.
3: Well, all our efforts right now at this well is at this time is more or less to keep St. Lucia top of mind. We know that a lot of people are within the confines of their homes and they can't travel. So one of the um, programs that we started was the 7 Minutes in St. Lucia Series. Mm-hmm. So when we kicked off with Seven Minutes in St. Lucia, it was to offer a virtual experience to everyone at home who's, who just wants this tropical escape. So we featured stuff like um, yoga at the Pitons, a cocoa tea making experience, you know, just different things that would take somebody off the normal, what we call the new normal of just being confined at home, especially as many states are observing, you know, states of emergencies. Mm mm-hmm. So that followed with St. Lucia Inspires, where St. Lucia would be moving towards village tourism with eight communities airmarked nationally for that. So what we wanted to do in the meantime was to sh- show off these villages in their authenticity, just as the- They are, um, who the people of the villages are, the heroes, the unsung heroes as well, you know, the way of life, the fishing villages and so on. So we kicked off that series last Monday and we'll be rolling out with that, you know, every every, um, other week throughout the rest of the year just to show us genuinely what St. Lucia is and Mm -hmm. who our people are.
0: And you can find these on your website, right? It's really simple. People just log in, and and where would they find them?
3: Um, That would be on stlucia.org. That is on our website, and you can always follow the tabs, but it is on our
0: website under the blog area. Uh, Getting back to your uh, seven minutes in St. Lucia, just briefly, uh, that's a live feed, isn't it? People log in, and it's live right from St. Lucia, isn't it? It's not like one of those pre-recorded things, is it?
3: No, it's live from St. Lucia, so every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m., you could go on to our social media handle, which is at Travel St. Lucia. And you can click on the Instagram Live and join us for the seven-minute series.
0: Well, I've been to St. Lucia many times. As I said, it's one of my favorite spots to go to. Uh, on your website, said St. Lucia is no ordinary island. That is for sure. You've got, uh, you got the pitons. you got beautiful beaches. you got a bit of a tropical rainforest. So y- you do have a little bit of everything, don't you?
3: We do have a little bit of everything in St. Lucia. And St. Lucia is a destination that also offers something for everyone's budget. So we are the warm, friendly, inspirational destination, always ready and waiting to welcome you.
0: Uh, again, on your website too. Uh, it, again, it's stlucia.org, Is ten unmissable things to see and do in Saint Lucia. Maybe we should uh, touch on those. I mentioned you know the Pitons, but for someone who's never been there, they probably don't. They probably have no idea what I'm talking about, do they?
3: <laughs> Absolutely, Saint Lucia is a volcanic island. And unique to us is the UNESCO World Heritage Site, which is the Pitons, which are two um, mountain peaks um, emerging from the ocean all the way up top. From various angles, they look like a twin, but when apart, you could see them standing as two majestic mountain peaks. And um, this, like I said, is signature to St. Lucia.
0: Uh, and now we talked about the Petons. What are some of the other uh, uh, ten unmissable things you can see and do? I don't know if we'll get to all ten, but give me just uh, a, a bit of a virtual tour.
3: Okay, so Saint Lucia, like I said, offers something for everyone. So if you want to escape and you're interested in ecotourism, we have the rainforest sky rides. The, you know all the rainforest adventure tours that you can do. If you're the person who likes a uh, uh, Catamaran Sunset Tour, we also offer that as well. Um, St. Lucia is also the world's leading honeymoon destination. So we're recognized by World Travel Awards as the world's leading honeymoon destination, and we're also known globally as a destination for as, of top choice for weddings and romantic escapes. Um, St. Lucia is also big on culinary. So if you've not heard of the Grizzly Friday Night, this is... Uh, street party jump up in the town of Grizzly on a Friday night where um, all our our visitors and locals get to mingle and sample all our local street foods and enjoy a good, you know, street party, more or less. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have so much going on in the village of Anslery there's another fish fry happening on on a Friday evening. So it's like the vendors out on the streets and, you know, people, visitors, locals as well, take a drive down that area, it's another fishing village. So around St. Lucia there's a lot to see, a lot to do, a lot to experience. And um Sunday to Sunday, Saint Lucia's open for business.
0: <laughs> and it's easy to get around too, right? It's 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 one of the larger islands in the in the Caribbean, but it's pretty easy to get around, right?
3: It's pretty easy to get around. We drive on the left side of the road. There are car rentals available, there are taxis available, you can go by land, sea or air. Um, there's also the helicopter service where you, if you want to have an aerial tour of St. Lucia, that is available as well. And so now, you can get to see St. Lucia by land, sea, and air.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and now for nature lovers, uh, there's lots, lots for them too, right?
3: Oh, yes. There's a lot for nature lovers. So there's the ATV tours. There's the horseback riding adventure. If you want to get out and experience hiking in the rainforest. Pigeon Island is another area that you can hike, which is um, one of our historical sites as well. Um, St. Lucia was seven times British, seven times French. So this is one of our historical sites where the English and French would have fought over St. Lucia.
0: Mm -hmm. And, of course, you got the beaches, right?
3: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, so we go from the... The, the gray sands, the white sands, brown sand beaches, we we just have it all for you.
0: Um, now, you mentioned uh, culinary. What are some of the, the foods that i got to try? And, and and I think, too, on your 7-Minute in St. Lucia series, you have some uh, recipes on there and, and, and some of the food things, right?
3: Absolutely. We did a cooking experience with a St. Lucian chef who's based in New York, Chef Sean Benjamin. So we did a cooking experience with him where he highlighted um, some and say snapper and some um, corn pie and so on, but um, Saint Lucia's national dish is green fig and saltfish. So this is a must do and a must try when you are on Saint Lucia.
0: <laughs> well, it sounds and like I
3: said, you know, the street foods. This is another part of who we are, especially when it comes to the Friday night activities. You will find that a lot as well. Rodney Bay is another very popular area on St. Lucia, mm-hmm. and that is in the north of the island. So it's like, um, if I were to say our Bourbon Street of St. Lucia, <laughs> <laughs> it's that little popular um, area in, in St. Lucia, where everybody get out. It's the nightlife, it's the party life.
0: Yes. So now that we're all sitting at home and maybe planning a future uh, destination, what uh, what's one thing you might want to to mention to people that uh, might be considering St. Lucia?
3: Absolutely. Getting out after COVID-19, you want to make sure you give yourself that opportunity to rejuvenate. So the Sulphur Springs and mud baths in the town of Soufray should be number one on your list. You get into your hotel, you check in, you check right out and head down to the Sulphur Springs and have a great time. (laughs) And for those who don't know what the Sulphur Springs are, it's like this natural mineral bath. So you get to you could get to either soak up or you could also get to do the mineral mud bath where you plaster yourself in the mud that comes from the
0: sulfur springs. Well, it all sounds fantastic. Like I said, St. Lucia is one of my favorite islands. Uh, you can find all kinds of information uh, on the St. Lucia website, org, including the St. Lucia Inspire series in the 7 Minutes in St. Lucia. And uh, Geraine Georges is the uh, PR manager for St. Lucia Tourism Authority, Again, that website is stlucia.org. Uh, thank you for your uh, time, Jerain. Appreciate it.
3: You're most welcome.
0: And that is this week's Informed Traveller podcast. I want to thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, take a minute, rate the show, leave us a review, and tell a friend about the podcast. And if you want to drop me a line, my email address is randy at ca. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash traveler, or you can follow me on Twitter at Informed Traveler.